0: Hey friends and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host Bethany Lee and this is episode 267. Our guest today is a 20-year-old show jumper who started his own business when he was 18 years old as soon as he aged out. He has had a super impressive career so far with big aspirations of being an Olympian. He also had a huge goal of attending the World Championships in Herning, Denmark, which he did a couple weeks ago. So I wanted to have him on to talk to him a little bit about his idea on goal-setting his experience at Herning, and what he's looking forward to in the future. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Brian Mogray. Hi, Brian.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Doing well, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you.
0: Good, well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you have a busy schedule.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tell me how you first kind of found yourself in the horse world. Yeah,
1: so... um It starts way back when I was about two years old. I have no personal memory of this, so it's kind of all just what I've been told. So (laughs) my parents, they actually built a house down the street from a stable. My sister went to school just down the road, elementary school. So every day when they would take my sister to drop her off, I'd always want to stop and see the horses. And so when I was two, almost three, uh, my parents thought that they could try to get me some pony ride lessons at that stable. And you technically had to be five to have pony ride lessons. So I was five for three years (laughs) (laughs) and, um, it just started there. And, um, you know, I started having a few lessons a week and then I just never stopped.
0: Wow. That's so cool. When you kind of went, obviously from doing, you know, when you were super little pony rides, at what point did it, Progress into something more. Were you kind of casually riding for a while. When did you get your first pony? What did that all look like?
1: Yeah, you know, my parents had uh, leased a few ponies for me when I was very young. They leased a pony for me named Tina when I was about six years old, and uh, that's when I went to my first kind of like A-rated horse show, and I did the 0.85 and point nine zero jumpers. Love it. Um, So I obviously loved that. And at that point, I was just riding just for fun. And just, uh, you know, a few times a week, go to a couple shows over the weekends. And then they bought my first horse for me when I was nine years old. And I started doing the children's jumpers on a mare named Sienna. And then shortly after that, I got my first junior jumper. And I would say, when I got my first junior jumper, when I was about 11 years, 10, 11 years old is when I uh, really realized that it's something that I wanted to do forever and that I wanted to be quite serious about.
0: Definitely. We found an interview that you gave in 2021 and you mentioned that it was a goal of yours to be in the world championships this year in 2022. And obviously you are just coming back from there. What was that like kind of stepping into the ring at, um, you know, a place that you have been dreaming of and working towards for so long?
1: Yeah. You know, it was a bit surreal to be honest. I mean, uh, time to compete for team USA is such an honor and to be able to do that at a championship just really takes it to the next level. You know, ever since I was a little kid, I always wanted to be on a championship team, uh, the Olympics, the world championships, all of it. I I've dreamed of it. So, uh, for that, uh, be a goal accomplished at such a young age, you know, I'm very proud of my team and everybody involved for helping get to that point. But I feel like a little, you know, my inner child is Mm -hmm. um, fulfilled, you know, going to that first championship, but now uh, adult me, I I think it's just the perfect stepping stone. And I, and I hope to, you know, work hard and work even harder to be on many more championship teams in the future.
0: Totally. Speaking of when it comes to, kind of goal setting and creating a plan, what's your process like when, and when you are kind of structuring that and then planning out the process?
1: Yeah. You know, I think, um, that's always a very interesting question. Uh, it's actually a question that I like to hear other people answer as well. You know, for me, ever since I was quite young, my dad and I kind of put together this formula uh, of goal setting and it really starts with the long-term goal. Uh, kind of the main big hitter, which for me was, you know, going to a championship. That was a goal that was set many, many years ago. And then looking back from that long-term goal, then you have shorter term goals that kind of fall into place, which basically serve as the stepping stones to get there. So, you know, whether that be, you know, I have this young horse that I really want to compete well at a certain horse show in three months time. And that kind of being a short-term goal goal to work towards to then be on an appropriate track that maybe that horse could then develop into the horse that suits long-term goal. You know, it all kind of goes hand in hand, but I think it really is a matter of looking at where you want to be and breaking down the steps and how to realistically make that happen.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I know your goal was to attend the world championships, your time in Herning maybe wasn't exactly the outcome that I'm sure you were necessarily hoping for. Tell us a little bit about what happened there and kind of what lessons you are coming home with now that you've had, um, a little bit of time to kind of debrief and and look at everything.
1: Yeah. You know, of course, um, you know, at the end of the day, show jumping is such a unique sport and that we, our our teammate, you know, can't speak. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no real form of communication. So you really need to connect with your horse on a different level. And every day um, is a new day. And some days you're a hero, some some days you're zero. So I think uh, at the World Championships, obviously, Baloo, he is absolutely incredible. I'm so fortunate to have had the opportunity to go to my first championship with him. He's really a schoolmaster type horse. And Uh, We came out the first day, super bold, um, great result. The first day I was super pleased the second day and um, the third day at the end of the day, my, he jumped a fantastic round, you know, he, he jumped amazing. It was unfortunate what happened um, early on in the course, but I think maybe I put a little bit of pressure on him early on who knows. But um, at the end of the day, I think the most important part to take away from that is that, We finished the course afterwards, he jumped one of the best rounds he's ever jumped, uh, or at least I've ever felt him jump. And for me, it was definitely the biggest track that I've ever seen to date. So uh, while it was an unfortunate on the last day, I would still say that it all ended on a high because of how the horse jumped. He felt amazing, of course. And um, it was really just how it was supposed to happen, I believe.
0: In Herning, you competed alongside McLean Ward, who you've mentioned has been, you know, like has been a mentor and definitely an inspiration to you. What is it like being teammates with him?
1: Yeah, you know, McLean's uh, somebody I've looked up to for so many years. I think one of my earliest memories of, you know, really recognizing top level show jumping were videos of McLean. And I used to have the briar horse for sapphire and yeah as a little kid i ran up to him at saugerties would make him sign my briar horse but um it's amazing and uh, you know to be on a championship team with somebody like McLean, who was really such an icon uh, of the sport it really like i said in a previous answer i fulfilled my inner child and i think it all just comes full circle and uh, it's motivating if anything totally.
0: In addition to McLean, you work with some very recognizable names like Laura Kraut and Nick Skelton. What what is it like working with them? What do you enjoy most about working with both Laura and Nick? And what what do you feel like you've learned from both of them that have really stood out to you and have impacted what you do in your program?
1: Absolutely. For Nick and Laura to have taken me under their wing is something that I it can't even put into words, you know, it, it's such an amazing opportunity for me to be able to learn from both of them who, uh, you know, both have such unique experiences in their way of getting to the top,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, can share their own stories as well as their stories and their time together and to really have access to so much information and for them to be so willing to kind of guide me every step of the way. It's something that I don't think I will ever, I can never be thankful enough for that. And um, they've accomplished everything that I dream of. And I think that's so reassuring for me, you know, all these long-term goals that I've set for myself and these dreams that I have, they've been there and they've done that and they've seen what it takes to get there, you know, how it all goes. And I think for me just to be able to listen and just confide in them and ask questions and and really understand what it takes to get there from firsthand perspective. It's amazing.
0: What would you say are some things that you really value from Laura and from Nick that, yeah, you feel like kind of like stick out on your head as being big pieces of why you ride the or, you know, kind of create your program the way that you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think most importantly, I, I love how in their programs, it's really adamant that the horse comes first. Mm-hmm. always, And I think that's something that's always been super important to me. And so to be able to really see that that is still so important to those at the very top, uh, is inspiring. And, and that, I think is obviously, it's why we do it. We do it for the horses. Uh, um, And so just the overall, the care and the attention to detail and and putting those horses right up front and center and treating them like the true athletes they are, the rest will come, you know, if you work hard in your training. And um, I think that for me is the most incredible thing is to really see inside the program. And also, you know, how to handle certain types of pressures, I think has been... A really important thing for me to learn. I think, you know, it's funny. Uh, last week at the WAG, when I was walking into the ring the first day, I was very nervous, for my own reason, I guess, not very nervous, but uh, I had the first day jitters. And Nick looks up to me, and he says, "Are you nervous?" And I said, "Well, yeah, a little bit." And he said, "Good, you should be." For him, you know, he's he has a gold medal, he's done all those things, and. There he is patting me off and he's like, you're going to be fine, off you go, I'll see you when you come out. So it's just, it's really amazing to, to have that.
0: Sometimes I feel like one of the most challenging parts of a training program is the management aspect of all the horses, all of their care, and just the organization of it all. So there is this app that a million riders use today called Equilab and it really does capture everything you need for your horse to track data as well as log any information you might refer to in order to keep your horse healthy and safe and organized. I'm talking tracking rides, gate distribution, being able to have your position set live so that other people can keep track of where you are on a trail ride. You can organize your riding, farrier, if you were lunging or jumping a certain day and keep track of the schedule. You can also share your journey with other people who use the app just offers so much organization it's super fun to use and really informative especially as you get more and more competitive and really every little detail counts that you're able to collect data to really make sure that your horse is in peak performance but really it is for every level and every discipline so if you want more information visit their website at equilab.horse that's equila dot horse and get more information that's so cool. I was literally just going to ask you if you, you know, obviously you have tons of experience in the ring, but at, you know, massive venues like that, it's like, you should, you know, you should be nervous. And that's like yeah. such a big, it's such a big part of, and such a big stepping stone for you. How do you combat those nerves? Yeah.
1: You know, I think, um, I think nerves are a more helpful tool than people, realize for me, at least in my personality type, I'm nervous. It's because I care and, you know, I want to do what's, what's best for myself and the horse and the team. Um, but I think channeling those nerves into being the best athlete that you can be, it almost gives you that second adrenaline rush that you might need at that exact moment to really perform your best. You know, I've noticed there's never been a time where, you know, I'd say that I've been so nervous, I can't do it, but I'd almost say it's like nervous, excited,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, kind of, they go hand in hand, just kind of the adrenaline, the eagerness, the nerves, what's going to happen. And that's kind of, you know, it's why we do what we do or a little bit of adrenaline junkies in this Mm -hmm. sport. And, um, I think it all goes hand in hand. So, you know, I think everybody has their own unique way of kind of channeling those nerves in the most positive way. But for me, it really gives me, I think that just extra competitive edge.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's a good point because it's not like you need to find ways to get rid of the nerves, but it's yeah, it's really kind of how you are channeling them. And it, I mean, I've I've heard that before, where being nervous, you know, like a big part of that means you care. And if you didn't right. care, I mean, yeah, so it, that makes a ton of sense too. Uh, the other day on Instagram, I was talking about different you know bad riding habits that I might have or for. Um, you know, other people who are working on something, what would you say are maybe your bad riding habit or habits or what are kind of some things that you are working on or tweaking on or kind of always reminding yourself of?
1: Yeah. You know, I think there's every single day you can improve on everything. Mm -hmm. And especially in my time here with Nick and Laura is that there is something new to learn every day. And even people who have Gold medals, uh, multiple gold medals still learn every single day, and that's the beauty of the sport, I think, and that there's always there's never an ending point right due to that so uh, for myself, you know, I can probably sit here and list off a thousand things that I work on on a daily basis, but I think it really is just a matter of for me I, working on with specific horses, what that horse needs, and recognizing what that horse needs at that time, you know, and I think that's something that's just kind of uh, an overall, general rule of thumb uh, mm-hmm. improvement. And I think for me, I want to make sure that I do pay the closest attention to detail, and that my reflexes uh, for sport are in tune, mm-hmm. and all of those things. So, like I said, I can sit here and probably name a thousand things, but. <laughs> Uh, Even if it's not a drastic focus of the day, there's always improvement in every aspect of our field of work.
0: Right. Did you do a lot in the equitation and what is your kind of not necessarily stance, but how much of your riding and your concentration in the past has been on, you know, overall position and how it works towards the effectiveness of your ride?
1: Yeah. Um, I did the equitation for three years. I had a moderately successful equitation career. I yeah. won the medal finals last year, which was great. medal finals, my last year that I did the equitation, I was more nervous for that than any five-star Grand Prix <laughs> championship I've ever jumped. But, yep. you know, I think that the equitation provides a great foundation for riders, you know, First things first, just the exposure of it in America is huge. And then when it comes down to the riding, I think there's this misconception in the equitation of, you know, it's the, the thinnest riders with the perfect position and everything. Mm-hmm. When at the end of the day, that's not what it's about. It's about these young riders being able to perform and, and really execute a track exactly how it needs to be executed with minimal effort and that's a little bit the American way of show jumping
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I think like we always talk about just learning to ride tracks and lines and make big efforts look so minimal that is the epitome uh, of good riding you know and, right. and I think that there's so many things that I apply to my riding now that I've learned from the equitation like I said, a lot of it coming from track work and line work and, uh, you know, flat work that goes with it. But in the same breath, uh, you know, those those big equitation finals, they really put the pressure on you, you know, and it, it, early on, you're you're learning how to deal with the pressure and channel that into, like I said earlier, hopefully a good way.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, what would you say is an area of the industry that you're passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? Yeah, you know, it's a very
1: interesting question. Um, And I, I thought about this a little bit before. And I think maybe not so much within the equestrian industry, but to the public, I don't think that people really understand what all goes into. Taking care of these top level horses, and mm-hmm. I said this in an interview back last year with the world of show jumping that you know these grooms and caretakers of these horses they pour their life and soul into these yeah. animals, and they treat these horses almost better than us athletes treat ourselves a lot of the time so uh, I think there's a big perception of show jumping to kind of just the general public but what's not seen is the countless hours and that it's not just a nine to five job, whether you're a rider or a groom or a trainer, you know, you don't just show up do your work and you leave. It, it really is 24 seven countless hours and it's full teamwork all the time. And I think um, for me, I think there could, needs to be a lot of exposure regarding that uh, totally. and I, appreciating uh, the grooms and the staff and The riders, of course, are the ones that are out there on the horse, in the ring, in the video, in the press. But at the end of the day, it's an entire team of people that make that end result happen. And I think it's so important to really focus on that and appreciate it and and Mm -hmm. let it be known that it's yes, it's a horse and a rider, but there's 10 other people that are just as important as that rider that make that dream come true.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's a really good point. What What do you think are ways that we can continue to highlight the members of the team in our sport?
1: Yeah, I, I think there there's many ways. Um, I think it's amazing. I've noticed in the, the past couple of months that there's been a lot of articles done from a groom's perspective and, and really hearing what it's like for them and, and their journeys and, their role in what we do in our sport. So, like I said, I think everything can always be improved, <laughs> just like myself and the riding. But uh, even same in the industry, I think uh, there's room for a lot of improvement and, and just overall acceptance. And I think being in Europe has really opened my eyes to see that at the end of the day, it's not about what tack you're wearing or you know what show you're going to or where you got your bonnets done from at the end of the day, it's just about horses and showing horses, good riding and results. And that's Mm -hmm. what I think is so amazing about it is that it's just down to, this is what we do
0: and we Mm -hmm. love
1: to do it. And um, everybody's going to work hard as hard as they can get it done.
0: Absolutely. You've already checked quite a few things off of kind of your career bucket list. What's next on the list for you?
1: Yeah. You know, I think there's, um, I have a lot of goals. I would love to be on Olympic team would be amazing. That would be a huge goal, whether that be Paris 24, London or Los Angeles 28. And then some shorter term goals, you know, I think, um, I'd love to go to the world cup finals. I'd love to, you know, develop some more young horses, hopefully produce some more young horses, some sales as well. And, and really just, continue to grow my business and, um, you know, grow my, um, ability as a writer and and just keep chipping away to, you know, hopefully in a few years time hit that big long-term goal of of Paris or Los Angeles.
0: Amazing. Awesome. Well, I am so excited to continue to watch your journey. Um, but thank you so much, Brian, for taking the time to chat with me today and I wish you all the best.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it was great talking to you and thanks.
0: All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.